We are glad to announce we have partnered with Thrive Fantasy for the upcoming NFL season. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. In case you don't know what Thrive Fantasy is, Thrive Fantasy is a daily sports app for player props. Thrive Fantasy has eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in respective sport. For this NFL season, Thrive allows you to choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The most points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $1.4 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and has $50,000 guaranteed in prizes for NFL Week 1. Use promo code PODCAST when you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Last Take Sports Podcast. And today, we are bringing you a recap of NBA free agency. Not really a recap, but so far, what's happened. Obviously, there have been some big moves before during the draft and also throughout free agency. But, Andrew, let's get right into it with our first topic, which is probably the biggest trade we've seen all offseason, and that is the Suns trading for Chris Paul. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this one, Andrew. Yeah, Henry, I thought the move was great, especially to keep Devin Booker in Phoenix. And, of course, there were news coming out that Devin Booker did not want to stay in Phoenix. And this kind of is old news because I feel like we've known this for a while. It just hasn't really came out public. But now it uh, came uh, it was a report saying how the the biggest like known secret in the NBA is that Devin Booker wants out of Phoenix. And now I think they have a very bright future. And even though Chris Paul is kind of an older guard, he's still putting up the numbers and he's still very productive at the spot. And nonetheless, one of the best point guards in the NBA. So I think this brings Phoenix to be a playoff contender and maybe even compete in the playoffs. Of course, the West is very stacked, so it might be hard to get past that first round but I can definitely see Phoenix making the playoffs now with uh, Chris Paul on the roster. Yeah, Andrew, I'm kind of questioning the move considering how old Chris Paul is, but it's going to get the Suns back into the playoffs and they haven't been there in a while. And they want to keep Devin Booker happy considering that he's the franchise player. And I think there's really no reason that they should not try and keep Devin Booker around. So if this is the move they had to make to get him to stay, I think that's what's necessary. But moving on now, Andrew, to our second topic today, which is the Thunder, I think we could say are probably playing for the future, considering they have 17 first round picks within the next six years. So, I mean, the Thunder have a great, bright future, considering they also have Shy Gilgis Alexander. And I mean, when you have a lot of young talent plus 17 first round picks, I mean, you do have a bright future there. Yeah, Henry, and I think OKC is playing this very smart. And of course, in that stacked West, there is no way you're getting past everybody with Chris Paul and Steven Adams. So what do you do? You blow up the roster and try to play for the future with acquiring draft picks and hopefully getting top talent down the road. And that's what uh, this team did. 
and they kept flipping their trades to get even more value. And it all started with the Suns trade with Chris Paul. Then they they got a first-round pick out of that. Then they flipped Kelly Oubre, who they got from the deal, into a first-round pick. They traded Ricky Rubio off to Minnesota, got a first-round pick. Or I don't know if it was a first-round pick, but I know they got a draft pick out of that. But that's just one uh, trade that they flipped into three draft picks, including, I know, at least two firsts, which is very smart by Sam Presti. And he's playing this very smart. OKC is a very bright future, and they kept their main young piece, which is Shai Gilgis Alexander, which was very smart because if you're going to blow up a team and you're playing for the future, you don't want to give up your best young asset. And that's what Shai Gilgis Alexander is to this OKC team. So I think it was a smart move to keep him, and it was a smart move to trade all your veterans that you can get some value from because, Henry, now I can say OKC is set for for the future with at least draft picks. And I know I'm sure they'll be able to drop or draft some talent with those draft picks. So I'm excited to see in the future, like who OKC can capitalize off of with these draft picks and who they end up drafting because it depends where they're at. But I think OKC could down the road, like maybe closer to this crazy. I'm even saying this, but even closer to like 2028, like late 2020s, I can see OKC being a contender. And I, I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but with how many draft picks they have, who knows? They can probably draft one or two superstars with their 18 first rounders in the next six years or whatever it is. So, I mean, we'll see what we can see from OKC, but I, I'm really liking what they're doing this offseason. Andrew, to be honest, I'd be shocked if they keep all 17, 18, however many first round picks they have and not try and package them into trying to get a lot of players from next year's draft, considering that it's being talked about as one of the greatest draft classes we'll see. But moving on now, Andrew, to another topic, which is Anthony Davis has not signed. He said that he will be announcing his decision sometime after Thanksgiving, but I think we can all assume that he will be returning to Los Angeles on some type of deal, Andrew. Yeah, Henry and I 100% agree. I think it's just we're waiting until Anthony Davis signs with the Lakers it's I'm pretty sure it'll eventually happen just sometime soon and I heard there was a report I'm not sure if this is true but I'm pretty sure that he's waiting to see what the Lakers will do in terms of Giannis because he said or they said that the Lakers seem to be pursuing Giannis in some shape or form so if they actually try to make moves to get Giannis, I think Anthony Davis might be on his way out, maybe to Chicago or something. But I don't think that will happen. I think the Lakers like what they have in Anthony Davis and LeBron James, that duo right there. And coming off of a championship, I can't, I wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense to blow up your team and try to acquire a new star and get rid of the star you won the championship with. That just doesn't make sense. I say keep the core if you're the Lakers, and that's what I believe they will do. Yeah, Andrew, and moving on now to another topic we'll just briefly go over is a lot of the top players in the 2017 class got paid, as in Jason Tatum, De'Aaron Fox, Donovan Mitchell, and Bam Adebayo all signed five-year max extensions. And that just shows that that draft class was very good, Andrew. And, I mean, we have some great talent with those guys. 
and I'm looking forward to seeing if any of those guys may win a championship in the near future. Henry, and, and it's very possible. You see Bam Adebayo, he got there this year. And De'Aaron Fox, he's probably the guy who's least likely out of the group just because he plays for a not-so-talented roster. But he's definitely a star, but he just doesn't play for a great team, doesn't have a great supporting cast. And then you have Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell, who both had great playoff runs and played very well in the playoffs. Henry, this 2017 class, excuse me, is looking amazing. But the headline here is almost like the, the number one and two picks did not get max extensions out of this draft class. Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball. And you see four other guys in that draft class get max extensions. Just shows like maybe the top uh, talented guy and the guy who shows the most promise in a certain draft class might not be one of the best players out of the um, draft class. And you see great example of that here. Four guys get max extensions and the one and two pick have failed to even uh, reach their expectations from being that first and second round pick. So, or first and second overall pick, excuse me. So Henry, that I think is more of a headline than these guys uh, getting these max extensions, but nonetheless, very deserved by all these players. And I'm looking forward to see what they can do in the future. Yeah, Andrew. And moving on now to another topic, the Pelicans had an interesting offseason, to say the least. I mean, they traded away arguably their best player in Drew Holiday, but they also traded for, in that deal, they received Eric Bledsoe, and they also traded for Steven Adams. So I'm kind of confused on what they're trying to do here. I don't know if they're really trying to contend or if they're continuing to rebuild. I'm just kind of very confused with this Pelicans team right now, Andrew. Yeah, Henry, it's not making much sense to me either. When As soon as they trade Drew Holiday, you're thinking, oh, they want to get younger. They might try to get uh, more picks in the upcoming season and get younger players. But then they go out, and apparently Eric Bledsoe was in the deal, which is a veteran guard. I'm pretty sure George Hill was might have also been in there, who's also another veteran guard. And then you go out and trade for Steven Adams, and that's the deal that really caught me off guard by them. Because I understand if you're just trying to get the most values you can out of the Drew Holiday deal, which is fine if you trade for some for some uh, veteran players, you could probably flip them into second round picks. But then you trade for Steven Adams, and he is a veteran center, not exactly the youngest guy. And I don't understand because you trade your star player in Drew Holiday, you get you get as much value as you can out of that. That's not the problem. But then with everyone thinking and you're trying to play for the future and not really play for right now after trading your star guard, you go out and trade for like a top five center. I think we can say about Stephen Adams, maybe top seven, but one of the, one of the better centers in the league, someone who a contender would typically trade for. So that it just makes me think what's going on in new Orleans, because you're thinking they're trying to, maybe not play up to expectations this season and maybe play for the upcoming seasons in the future. And it seems like with these additions that they're trying to play for this season now. So, I mean, if the Pelicans can successfully do so and their young talent that they drafted last season and uh, Kira Lewis Jr., who they drafted uh, this year, can end up 
playing out the right way and they end up being great, Henry, I can see a way that New Orleans can make the playoffs this uh, season, especially with Zion. And if he can play very well and up to his expectations, I can see New Orleans somewhat contending. I know they, they're deep at the guard because now they have Lonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe, and they just drafted uh, the point guard Kira Lewis Jr. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I hope so, though. Maybe Kyra Lewis Jr., something like that. But And then you have Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I know they drafted uh, the previous year. And you also have Zion Jackson Hayes, who they drafted in previ- or in the 2019 draft. Now you get Steven Adams. And I don't quite understand. If you're trying to contend, I think you keep your veteran leader and your best player. So that trade, that Drew Holiday trade, obviously made everyone think, yeah, maybe they're not trying to contend this year. But then they go out and trade for Steven Adams. It's just kind of mind-blowing because they seemed like they were going one way and then they come back with a big trade that brings them back into the contending role it didn't make much sense to me but we'll see uh, what the pelicans can do yeah andrew and speaking of the other side of that trade where the bucks did acquire drew holiday it seems like they're in a quest to try and keep Giannis around considering they traded for Drew Holiday. They signed Bryn Forbes, Bobby, Bobby Portis, excuse me, and DJ Augustine. And it looks like they're trying their best to keep Giannis around. I don't know if these moves will keep them around. I don't really think this is a championship team, but we'll have to see Andrew. Yeah, Henry. And these moves weren't the biggest of the off season, but I think they're just trying to get a supporting an affordable supporting cast for Giannis and that is that is I I think that was the motive behind the Drew Holiday trade in the Bryn Forbes and DJ Augustine those guys are shooters that's probably why they did that and of course their main shooter right now I mean they lost Wesley Matthews and then their main shooter right now is Kyle Korver and I don't even know he might be a free agent right now for all I know he might be unrestricted I'm not sure though and they need shooters, and that's what they got. Of course, they have Chris Middleton, though, who, who's a great shooter himself. I forgot to mention him. But now getting Bryn Forbes, who's, I think, one of the most underrated shooters in the NBA, and DJ Augustine is a more than sufficient scorer, especially being a veteran. He can still get it done in many ways. And then Bobby Portis, I thought, was just a move for depth, and I thought he can definitely come off the bench and be a solid uh, role player. So I think they just got a lot deeper and helped their supporting cast uh, and helped out Giannis. And I think that this is just a push, especially I'm talking more specifically towards the Drew Holiday trade. I think that was just a move to keep Giannis in town and hopefully win a championship to keep him around. Yeah, Andrew, and obviously we know that these moves, like you said, were in the quest to keep Giannis around. I personally don't think this will be enough but Giannis is going to want a lot of money and I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to pay him 75 million dollars a year but moving on now Andrew to a team that probably had the best offseason all in uh the entire NBA and that was the Atlanta Hawks I mean they drafted Onyeka Kongwu and they signed Danilo Gallinari and Bogdan Bogdanovich and I mean they're just improving all around. Although those two are 
older. They don't necessarily fit the timeline of this Hawks team. They're going to help, um, excuse me, develop some of these players that are younger, like Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter. And I think this is a great way to set the locker room presences for this Hawks team and hopefully push them into the playoffs. Well, Henry, Bogdan Bogdanovich is not exactly the oldest player. Danilo Gallinari, of course, is on the older end of his career, and he's more of a veteran. But Bogdan Bogdanovich, I mean, he's a generally young player. I think he's around 25 or something. But, Henry, this team got a lot better, and they got their starting shooting guard from uh, with Bogdanovich. And, of course, they got Danilo Gallinari, who could probably start as small forward, maybe power forward. But, of course, they have John Collins and Clint Capella. So I'm sure we'll see Gallinari either come off the bench as a six-man or he might start at that small forward role. And this team is stacked, Henry. And it's not exactly stacked with star power, but they're just an all-around fit team. And what I, what I, what I mean by that is – they just filled all their needs in the offseason. That's why it was so good. They got depth at the center position. And, of course, they have Clint Capella to basically mentor uh, their first-round pick in Oyeka Kongwu. Of course, at power forward, they have uh, young star John Collins. Small forward, as I mentioned, they could probably fill in Danilo Gallinari, who they just signed, who's a very polished veteran. Shooting guard, they just signed Bogdan Bogdanovich, which they needed a shooting guard because, of course, they're pretty deep there, to be honest. But it's a bunch of young guys, and I don't think the guys that they have can get it done as of right now, and they're hoping for them to develop under Bogdan Bogdanovich. And, of course, you star Trey Young at point guard. This team is all around a good team, and they fit their needs in the offseason. That's why it was so good. Yeah, Andrew, moving on now to another East team that – had a big signing. I, I really want to talk to uh, whoever Gordon Hayward's agent is and see how he's able to bargain these these teams to get Gordon Hayward paid $30 million a year. Because I'll tell you what, Gordon Hayward is not a $30 million per year player. And considering the team he went to, I am just confused all around. Yeah, Henry, I didn't think the Charlotte Hornets really needed this signing, especially for the amount of money they uh, took uh, took for Gordon Hayward. I mean, they, they're giving him $120 million over four years, I believe. That's an, uh, Saying it, it was an overpayment is an understatement, Henry, because this guy was, did not play a significant role on last year's Celtics team. And, of course, the Celtics had great success, but I don't think Gordon Hayward – should really be given most of the credit for that. And of course, I think his first contract was well-deserved because of just how well he was playing in the year before the Celtics signed him, but he has not been that impressive late as of late. And I don't understand, especially of all teams. I mean, the Charlotte Hornets, I would think a contender would maybe try to send or uh, to sign Gordon Hayward, like maybe an Indiana team that we heard, or maybe the Boston Celtics re-sign him. But Charlotte was offering up the big bag for him, and I don't blame him for taking it. So I, I just don't understand since this is more of a move that a contender would normally make, and yet Charlotte is a very young team, and I don't think they need to take on the big contract of Gordon Hayward and give him that big contract 
to miss the playoffs. It ju- it just doesn't make sense to me, Henry. Yeah, Andrew, and moving on now to our favorite team, the Detroit Pistons. I mean, I'm I'm just shocked, Andrew. I'm so confused with what Weaver is doing here. I mean, all these moves were just little moves, but they just were so confusing. And I'm and I just am interested to hear what you have to say because I think you're just as confused as I am. Yeah, Henry, and the new GM, Troy Weaver, I, I don't know what type of approach he's looking for. Of course, he had signings of Jeremy Grant, Miles Plumley, Jaleel Okafor. So obviously you're thinking he wants to go big. Then he trades for DeLon Wright, Wayne Ellington, or he signs Wayne Ellington, excuse me. And he also uh, signed, or trades for Jalen Hands, which is a younger guard. So there's just a lot of different types of moves here by him. And I'm not quite sure what he's trying to do here. Of course, you he trades for Jalen Hands, which is a younger player. And same with uh, Musa from Brooklyn. But he signs Jeremy Grant, Miles Plumley, who are more veterans, I guess you can say, who've been in the league for a little bit. Jaleel Okafor, kind of the same. He's a little bit on the younger side, though. He's probably mid-20s. And then you sign or trade for veteran DeLon Wright. I I just don't know. what. And then sign veteran uh, Wayne Ellington. I don't know what he's trying to do here. It's just a bunch of mixed moves in terms of the future for this team. You sign guys who can try to help you compete now in Jeremy Grant, maybe Jaleel Okafor is a good depth guy. Miles Plumley the same. DeLon Wright, the same. And then you go out and trade for also Design or uh, Musa. I, I really don't want to try to pronounce his first name. I'm sorry. I, I don't think I can confidently do that. <laughs> and then who is more of a younger guy who you try to build for the future, Jalen Hands. And then you go out and also sign veteran Wayne Ellington, who's more of a guy you sign as a contender for a depth guy, a guy who can shoot and score. Henry, there's just a bunch of moves that don't make sense here. If the Pistons are trying to contend and they start signing Jeremy Grant, Miles Plumley, Jaleel Okafor, DeLon Wright, Wayne Ellington, all the big contracts, or not big contracts, but Jeremy Grant, Miles Plumley got their fair share of their contracts and got a nice amount for both of them. But if you sign those guys, typically you're playing to contend and those guys are meant for depth. But then the Pistons go out and sign or trade for a couple guys that were younger guys that typically a rebuilding team might trade for. It doesn't make sense to me. I have no clue what they're doing. They're just, it's reminding me of the past Knicks off seasons, Henry. They're just making a bunch of pointless moves that gets their organization absolutely nowhere. And it's just a bunch of moves that don't make sense for the timeline of this team. And I'm interested to see what Troy Weaver, the new GM, can do because obviously he made a statement trading for four draft picks. He turned one draft pick into four draft picks on draft night, including three first-rounders. And, of course, he comes out, makes, I think, the most trades out of any uh, general manager or team in the NBA. And yet this roster still looks no better than it did before all these trades. And they're giving a lot more money away than they should have if they would have kept their roster. So 
a lot of moves that don't make sense. I'm interested to I'm interested to see what uh, new GM Troy Weaver is his plan looks like for the future because as of right now, it just looks like a whole bunch of ugly because he's making too many moves and this team is not going in the right direction. If anything, they're just making their overall roster worse. Yeah, Andrew, moving on now to our final topic today, we have the Houston Rockets, obviously in pursuit to try and make James Harden and Russell Westbrook happy. So the chances that they stay are increasing. I think that at this point, Andrew, with the signings they made, I think they could definitely compete for this Western Conference championship, considering that they signed Christian Wood, a very solid player from the Detroit Pistons, and Demarcus Cousins, who, if he's anything like he was before he got hurt a couple of years ago, I mean, this this is a finals contender right here. And with James Harden and Russell Westbrook, regardless of who else you have around them, I mean, this this is a great team, Andrew. Yeah, and if Demarcus Cousins can get healthy and can actually play, you could possibly fill him in at center because, you know, this Rockets team lacks length and height, and that's what this Rockets team set out to take care of in this offseason. Of course, they signed Christian Wood as well. Very tall guy, around 6'11", very lengthy, can jump out of the gym. DeMarcus Cousins, as I just mentioned, he's around seven feet tall. And the Rockets had a great offseason. As, as much as me and Henry said we didn't like their draft at all, they had an amazing uh, or offseason in terms of free agent signings. They, they only had a couple, and of course we mentioned them as Christian Wood and DeMarcus Cousins, but they took care of their needs. And also I want to mention the trade that they made with Robert Covington, of course, if you're a contender, normally you might want to keep a guy like that. And it honestly would make sense with the signings that they just had because you would have Westbrook at the one, Harden at the two, you'd have Covington at three, then you'd have Wood and Cousins, assuming Cousins is back healthy, Cousins probably at the five. That, that I mean, Henry, that is a contending roster. And then you get rid of Covington, which doesn't make sense because I assume the Rockets are playing to contend. But what does make sense is, Henry, the trade the, the trade that they were offered for Covington, what, you could not turn it down. They were offered two first-round picks, Henry, for Robert Covington. How you, you can't possibly turn that down, no matter if you're contending or not. Two first-round picks for Robert Covington and Trevor Ariza, who they flipped for another first-round pick from the Detroit Pistons. There, there is no, or I don't actually no, never mind. They sent a first. Oh yeah, yeah, never mind. But they they did flip Trevor Ariza to the Pistons, who they got also from the Covington trade, which just shows that they got full value out of that trade that they possibly could have gotten, Henry. So all I have to say is, of course, people are going to say, oh, if they kept Covington, they would truly be a contender. I don't know why they would trade him away if they're playing to contend. The, the trade that they got in return, two firsts and Trevor Reza, I believe it was, you can't resist that. And that's what the Rockets did. They didn't resist it. And I don't blame them because I know any contending team would have taken that deal as well. But overall, the Rockets had great offseason signings because they took care of their needs at the bigs and they got length. And I think Christian Wood might have been the best offseason signing by any team. 
Agreed, Andrew. And I think that this Rockets team is definitely in the conversation to be the Western Conference champs this year. But with that, Andrew, I think this would be a great time to wrap up today's podcast. As always, we want to thank everyone for listening. We did hope you enjoyed. As always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and download this podcast. We'll see you guys next time on the Last Take Sports Podcast.